This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Well, if if you were driving in this morning, you some of you saw uh, maybe some new a new look on our signs, and maybe you've noticed we've got like a new look on our on our song sheets. Uh, for those of you that are follow us on social media, maybe you saw us announce that we're we're kind of doing a little a little fresh update on some logo stuff and websites, and um, kind of the. The stirring of that is, is a couple things. One is um, just sometimes on occasion organizations like local churches uh, need to do things like that. Uh, but the deeper, more meaningful reason um, is because we're, we're just a different church in so many ways. Uh, we've, we've grown and changed um, over the, the course of the past couple of years. If you're, if you're new to our church, um, we're still a relatively young thing. Um, we, we started, well, we started meeting in our home a little over six years ago, and we've been, we've been here on this campus for about five years, but we, uh, we sense God at work in some, some really significant ways, and kind of doing updates on things like logos is one of the ways that we, uh, that we can indicate that, and so, you know, I don't know a a, a way to, to be like non-advertisement-y up here, but uh, I do want to draw attention to that logo real quick because uh, it, it does it does sync um, with our sermon series. I, I am headed into the sermon. Um, and our sermon series is called Wholehearted. And we are looking at the eight, uh, what is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes of Jesus, which are found in Matthew chapter 5. And I've, I've titled the series Wholehearted and the connection to the, to the logo um, is that that bottom that bottom layer of of the logo um, is this connection that we have with each other as it looks vertically towards God and you know the the downward arrows the three downward arrows are, are trinitarian so God the Father and the Son and the Spirit are making us wholehearted people and I, you know in, in a group our size you know still relatively small but. Um, there, there's, we're just we're such a spread of people, and I never make assumptions about everyone who's here. And uh, one assumption I do make about everyone who's here is we're all trying to figure out um, this whole human experience and how it connects to the good news of the gospel about Jesus and what Christianity means and, and, and its implications for our lives now. And one of the big running themes, uh, if you've been around our church, that you're picking up on is that, uh, you know, I, particularly as somebody who has a, a voice of influence from the pulpit, um, I believe that God um, is um, shaping our hearts um, f- for eternity. And so if, if you've been around a flavor of Christianity that, that kind of views the good news about Jesus as, you know, remission from sins relief from guilt, and assurance that you won't spend eternity in hell. Uh, that's, an, that's an incredibly um, one-dimensional view of the Christian gospel. And at Mosaic, our, our heart is for, for, for the gospel to take root inside of you in such a way uh, that you would see, see that good news as, as a little more three-dimensional. Like those, those things I said are true. Um, 
that in Christ you are forgiven. Your, your, your sins are, are forgiven, and you will not spend eternity in hell. That, that, those are true things. Um, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is so much more. And I believe that, that the Beatitudes of Jesus are an incredibly rich treasure chest uh, that very few of us have unpacked. And so we're spending the course of, of the next handful of weeks just individually uh, looking at, at those Beatitudes. And so last week we looked at the first uh, Beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today, uh, if you've brought a Bible, it'll be a short reading, but uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, um, the second of the Beatitudes is this, and this is God's word for us this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray together. Father, we turn to you now and to your word, which is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts through the soul and the spirit. And we ask that you um, would do your work and through the preaching of your word, uh, that you would soften hearts, that you would open eyes, that you would unstop ears that have a hard time seeing, hearing, and believing how incredibly beautiful the work of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ is. Lord, we all, we all need your help right now. So please help us to engage with your word in a meaningful way. Spirit of God, would you, would you come? And just like we sing, would you fill this place? And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I am no uh, country music fanboy by any stretch of the imagination. However, Heather turned us on uh, to a little docu-series on Luke Bryan, who's kind of a, a, a newer up-and-coming kind of, I'm, if, if I'm going to listen to country, it's usually, you know, it's George Strait, it's Garth Brooks, you know, Dwight Yoakam, if you know about that. That's, that's kind of that's the vein of country music I ran in. But anyway, Heather wanted to watch this little docu-series, and so we, we turned that on and, you know, just confessed our sin of binging it all weekend. But um, thanks for that, Matt. Um, but we, we watched this docuseries on uh, Luke Bryan, and his story is, it's really profound. Um, it's, you know, it makes you want to be a, a country fanboy um, by the end of it. It's, you know, he's, you're, I don't know about you, but like I'm always skeptical where these famous rock and country musicians came from. Right, and this guy, his story's great. Like he grew up in small town Georgia, and you know was playing like local bars and you know just parties and just he loved music and he was an entertainer. Just a just a really just a really fun neat story. Um, but woven into his story is a lot of pain and, and tragedy and death. Uh, in fact, he had uh, two his only two siblings, I believe, um, uh, died. Uh, he had a had an older sister um, and an older brother. I believe he was older. Uh, so he had two siblings die. It's a lot of pain there, and just really cool story about him caring for for some of their children. And uh, there was this there was this part in the series um, where Luke Bryan had risen to fame after like a lot of hard years, you know, not quite making it. And he was receiving, in, I believe it was 2013, he was receiving the Entertainer of the Year Award, which apparently is, you know, the award of all awards in, in the country music world. 
And they had this great footage because this you know docu series had been following them you know for years, and they had this great kind of backstage footage after he had received the award, and his family was there, you know, mom was there, and dad was there, and it was it was just a really really sweet thing, and there were a couple of things that were said um, that really caught my attention. Uh, the first thing was said by a family member. I don't remember who it was. Um, but, but she said this, uh, the name of his siblings who passed away were uh, Chris and Kelly. She said, Chris and Kelly are inside of Luke Bryan. And, you know, I don't want to get all, you know, we don't have to get all theological into what that means. But, like, the gist of what she was trying to communicate was, like, their story is in, inside of him, right? Like, the thing that makes this moment so sweet is the pain that's all inside of Luke. And then, and then at the at the end of, of that kind of moment, uh, Luke Bryan said this, and it really it was really, uh, you know, ear catching for me. He said, he said, you know, the interviews asking him like, how how does this feel? You know, like this is this is the pinnacle, right? This is the top of the top for you. You just got Entertainer of the Year, and he said, this is the best emotion I've ever felt. And I thought about that, and and I think you know. Many people have many accolades and awards and, and all of that, and I'm sure it felt great. But I think the thing that brought Luke Bryan uh, to the conclusion that there was no greater feeling than what he was feeling is because he didn't get to the, to the top of the mountain um, of emotion in the pinnacle of his career just sheerly by grit and hard work. It, that was all part of it. But the reason the moment was so sweet is because there was so much bitterness in his life. Like the reason the mountaintop was so high is because he had been down to the valley. The reason the, the top of his career was so full of light and gladness and joy was because he had seen the darkness, the despair, and the sadness of loss. Uh, the beatitude, you know, the second beatitude, you know, Jesus, he's on a roll. You know, last week's beatitude was, you know, you got to be poor in spirit. Um, and if you're poor in spirit, you get the kingdom of heaven. And so the first beatitude has more to do what's wrong inside of you. And the second beatitude has more to do what's wrong outside of you. The first beatitude said, grieve who you are. And then the second uh, beatitude says, grieve what's happened to you. So what Jesus invites all of us to do, anyone who, who's going to be a hearer of Jesus' words, he says this, you know, if, if you want the pinnacle experience with God, if you want to experience, you know, the highest good emotion that you'll ever experience, uh, you know, you don't have to go win a country music award, although that would be fun. He said, here's, here's how you get to the best place of your life with me. You go to the bottom. You go to the despairing, dark parts of your story, and you engage with them. Uh, what Jesus is, is suggesting is that the only way to get close to God is to get close to your grief. And here's, here's another assumption I'll make, uh, again, painting with, with broad 
broad strokes of a, of a, of a group like this. I believe there's many here um, who have plateaued in their walk with the Lord. You know, some of you have been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. Uh, but, but many others of us have been around Jesus, his teachings, the local church um, for a long time. And, you know, I, I know you want to grow as people. And here's, here's what I'm suggesting through this second beatitude. Is that you, you can only get so close to God without going down. Like, you know, some of you are new to the faith and it's great and your experience of God's love for you is incredible and that's a fun, wonderful place to be. But for too many of, of us, we have just stayed there and we have refused to mourn. We have refused to grieve. We have refused to feel the ache of our world and the harm that's been in our world and Jesus's invitation for you today is to get a little closer to your grief to feel the ache to lean into the pain because the the degree to which you are close to God is the degree to which you are close to your grief it's it's how he works so a couple things we're going to look at this morning uh, we're going to look at, first, we're going to look at getting close to our grief, and then we're going to look at getting close to God. So getting close to grief. And I'm using the language of grief instead of mourn um, because it, it's, a little, um, it's a little more connected to our, our moment. Um, so so that, that Greek word, it can mean lament. It can mean grieve. Um, it can mean to mourn. Um, but, but essentially what Jesus is saying, here's, here's how you have a whole heart. You feel the ache. You feel the pain. You feel the grief of your life. And you'll only feel close to God if you've been close to your grief. And so, again, Beatitude 1, uh, you know, you're, you're to grieve the poverty of your spirit. You're to feel your impoverished nature. You're to feel needy. Uh, Beatitude 2, Jesus removes us from kind of our interior world. And he says, you're, you're to grieve things that have happened to you. You're to grieve things that are happening in a fallen world. And so what, he, what he's saying is, here's, here's the whole heart. You have to see what's gone on around you. And if, if you're willing to do that, then you can, then you can be submerged into the kingdom. Then you can feel uh, what the gospel, what the implications of the good news really are. Because the implications aren't just God's going to make everything right. He is. But the implications are God wants to comfort you. The implications are if you'll get really close to your grief, that's where you'll experience comfort. That's where God's, that's his, that's his realm of activity. That's where God particularly meets his people is in the pain. So, I mean, you, you think about death. And so death is, you know, if I say the word grief or mourning, that ought to be one of the first things that pops into your mind is we grieve death. And we're really terrible at it, right? As, as 21st century modern Americans, you know, like if there's a, you know, a mass shooting or, you know, like I'm thinking about like uh, the, the shooting that happened in, in Vegas a few years back, like what do we do? 
our, our response is to be strong, right? So the hashtag, it's, it's Vegas strong, right? Like our American, the way we handle death is to just be stronger. It's to work harder. And that's not how God's kingdom operates. You, you see Jesus uh, grieving the death of his friend Lazarus. Now, Jesus knew Lazarus was going to live, right? Like he had the foresight that a few days later he would bring life to him. But he wept because he knew death was not the way it was supposed to be. We are not supposed to have miscarriages, right? We are not supposed to bury our children nor our parents, right? We are are not, like, death is not the way it's supposed to be. And so, so, you know, you look look at what, what Jesus is inviting into. He's saying you should grieve all the death in your life. And it's not just physical death. That's part of it. But we should, we should grieve death, betrayal, sorrow, and sickness. So betrayal. Like maybe some of you have experienced the betrayal of infidelity inside of your marriage or a previous marriage. Like the layers of pain of someone going outside of your marriage has damaged you. Or, or maybe the betrayal is, is from a friend who you just, you just don't understand um, how they could do what they did, a family member. And, and the sting of the betrayal is so deep inside of you that it has, that it has hardened like beyond recognition, right? The callous, it's not even recognizable anymore because they're dead to you. Like, no pun intended, like they, that part of you has died because of that betrayal. And you'll never go back there. Um, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to grieve sorrow, like sorrowful circumstances, you know, global. You know, we, we, we grieve war and the loss of life and the mistreatment of people. And, um, you know, like the, sor- the layers of sorrow in a fallen world um, ought to grieve our hearts. Like we, ought to, we ought to feel that. Or maybe it's, it's sickness. Like I know some of you are experiencing bodies that are failing them. And so the chronic pain that you feel, the fatigue... You know, the uncertainty, the, the, the lack of diagnosis. You don't know what's going on in your body. Maybe you have children who've been stricken with illness. Like there is, there is a grief there. And, and there's a story there. You know, some of you have experienced the betrayal of abuse. Like you grew up in abusive homes. Be it verbal physical, sexual, like the trauma of, of abuse um, is embedded in your story. And Jesus invites us to grieve that because what Jesus is suggesting is that in our mourning, we meet him 
Because what happens, and if you have any experience with, with trouble, trauma, hardship, suffering, abuse, divorce, betrayal, infidelity, any of the things on this grocery list that I've, that I've put before us today, if, if you have any experience of this, you know this to be true, that part of you was left there, that you left yourself there. And what Jesus seems to be doing is saying, hey, come back. If you'll come back to that place, guess who will be there with you? The comforter. So here, you know, concluding point number one, which has a somber note, ironically, on Shine Sunday. Um, here's, Here's kind of, you have to get close to your grief. You will not grow in your experience of the God of the Bible until you have a willingness to get closer to your grief. And maybe you're, maybe, you know, that's not where you're at today. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm sure the Lord's okay with that. He's incredibly patient. He's really, he's really slow uh, with us. But the invitation, and maybe you're hearing the voice today, is to get a little closer to your grief because that's how you get wholehearted. Blessed are the mourners. Blessed are the ones who are willing to bump up against the hard things that have happened to them, in them, around them. Um, but secondly, uh, let's look at the getting close to God part. Um, I, uh, I did also travel this week. Um, I promised Matt and I did not talk about anything today. So I also traveled to Texas this week. Um, I didn't hate it quite as much as, as Matt hated his travel. Um, but I uh, haven't done a ton of travel lately. And so I don't even know where Matt is. I'm like trying to make eye contact with him. Where are you, Matt? There you are. You're hiding back there. I'm like bringing you out today. Uh, I, but I haven't done a ton of travel, and, and I flew over to Dallas just for a quick trip. It's like a 36-hour deal. Um, hopped on a Southwest flight, and you know you know how those Southwest flights work, right? You, you get the numbers. It doesn't matter how quickly you log in. You're going to get a B or a C. I don't know who's getting all the A's, but whatever. But we're all fighting to get a window or an aisle, and uh, I scored an aisle even though I was a late B, late to the game. But I got, I got an aisle, and I was really pumped up about that. And you know – you know how you know how that is, right? It's the walk of shame. You're like trying to not make eye contact because you don't want them to sit in the middle seat. You're just trying to feel like a little extra big, or you put your bag over there, like you just don't want someone sitting next to you. And they were kind of getting near the back of the seas, and so it's just like the last few stragglers. And you're like, Lord, please just let them pass me. Just like, just please, I want that elbow room. And uh, and this family comes down. You know, a few young kids. You know, gotta love the the traveling families. And the mom starts freaking out a bit, and she says, all they have is middle, you know, they just made the announcements, you know, grab a middle seat, that's all that's left. And so mom starts freaking out. She says, she's yelling back to dad, you know, way back. She goes, he's only four. He can't sit by himself in a middle seat, you know. And, like, dad's like, well, he's going to have to figure it out sometime. And it was just, it got, it got super awkward. But, and I did not give my seat up. But, um, but some loving family did. Um, and, and here's, here's kind of the connection. Um, they hurt, you know, this, this other, I don't know, I didn't even look because I was looking down. Um, uh, this other, these people in the back, they made arrangements, right? They all figured it out how to get this family together, and they were all shifting and doing all the things uh, while I just, you know, read my book or whatever I was doing. Um, but, but what happened was, um, you know, they expressed empathy, 
whereas I was just expressing sympathy. I just felt bad for him. I was just like, man, I've been there. I know how that feels. But like, I was not, I wasn't going to enter in. Like I, I just had no intentions of entering in, but you know, those good hearted folk in the back, they all, they, they all empathize. They, they, they engaged. They entered into that family scenario. Um, here's the thing about Christianity, and maybe if you're new to Christianity, this hopefully this is a breath of fresh air for you today. Christianity is the only uh, worldview or religion um, where God enters into the suffering. Every other worldview, religion, philosophy, you know, thought world says, here's how to figure out suffering. Right? Here's how to get through it. You know, here's, here's what you need to survive it. But only the God of Christianity says, you know what, I'm going to go into it. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust my seat, as it were, and I'm going to enter into your scenario. And the word that, uh, that Matthew uses to record Jesus' words, uh, they shall be comforted, is the word parakaleo. And that Greek word simply means to call out to. So what Jesus seems to be suggesting is that here's how you get wholehearted. If you get really close to your grief, then you'll be called out to. Parakaleo. Hang on to that. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But what, what, what Jesus is saying is like, if, if you will listen to me in the suffering and the pain and the hardship and the things that have happened into and around you, you will hear me clearly. Right? It reminds me of C.S. Lewis's quote. Um, he says like, God whispers, you know, in the pleasures of our life, like, we get the whisper here, right? This is beautiful. This is amazing. But you know where he shouts? You know what his megaphone is? Suffering. So if, if, you, if you really want to hear uh, what God has to say and who he is and how he can comfort you, you have to listen to the hard things. You have to listen to the things that have happened into you. And so here's the good news. Here's the good news that's offered to you today. You're not in your grief alone. That the God of the Bible refuses to leave you alone in your grief. Jesus Christ is the eternal and everlasting God. He has no beginning and no end. He has been and always will be. And he became a man. And he entered into human history in a human body to experience what it was like to be a human. And so though he may not have experienced um, all of the details of your particular story, he understands. And though no one else in the world may understand, he does. And the good news about this man is that his desire... Um, for you in your pain and your ache and your grief and your mourning is not just to fix you yet. It's simply to be with you. And that's a radical idea. Because I think so many of us are primarily interested in just not feeling the pain anymore. And there's a day when that's coming, and we'll talk about that day in a moment. But for right now, where you are situated in the history of the world, 
the work that God is doing through Christ and his good news is that he is with the mourners. That when you get close to grief, you get close to God. And God is primarily interested in just being close to you. Now, you know, I just, you know, I've got a hunch that there are people here who have a hard time believing that. That you have experienced people, even Christian people, in a way that says, why would God want to be near me? And I'm telling you right now, because Jesus is saying, blessed are the mourners, for they will be comforted. He's, those are the people he wants to be closest to. Do you know, uh, you, you know, I feel like these are rhetorical questions. You never answer them. Um, the word for Holy Spirit in Greek, uh, one, of the, one of the words that's used for him in reference to him is the paraclete. Sounds very similar to parakaleo. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete, also translated the comforter. And here's what the Holy Spirit, this is his, this is his modus operandi, right? This is the way he operates. Um, he, he goes near to those with a broken and contrite heart. And he comforts them. Uh, he doesn't always give relief of all of your circumstances. He doesn't always take the suffering away. He doesn't always bring back the loved ones that we've lost. But he does always comfort. And one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is that famous verse, Romans eight twenty eight. All of you, many of you know it. Here's how we frequently... Uh, quote it, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God works all things together for those who love him. That's, that's a fine translation of it. But an alternative could be this. God works all things for good together with those who love him. And that little, that little shift in where you put the together is, in, is incredibly significant because here's, here's what I'm, again, just chewing on. Here's how I think God has designed us to heal together with each other. In, in other words, the story that you are bearing in your soul, the story of your life is meaningful to someone else. Uh, Maya Angelou said it this way. She said, the, the greatest agony a person can have is to bear an untold story within them. And some of you are doing that. Some of you have a story that needs to be told. And the design of God is for him to put the paraclete inside of you, the comforter inside of you and your story, and then for you to engage with the world in a way that wholeheartedness is, is the result. And, you know, if I were to, you know, blanket statement summarize what we're trying to be as a church, it would be this. It would be for us to all experience the comfort of God through our pain, heartache, and suffering 
in a way that we heal with each other. And I think if, if God were to do that and you were to, to embrace that invitation as a church, I think we could change the world. I'm not underestimating this. I believe that if we willingly get close to our grief, which brings us closer to God, and then we go engage with each other in the world, we'll change our city. We will change our neighborhoods. We will change our workplaces. I believe it is that significant. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to close uh, this morning by reading a, a quick little excerpt, for, uh, excerpt from a book um, I read a little while back. It's called Lament for a Son uh, by Nicholas Wolsteroff. He's like a fancy philosophy professor at Yale. Um, but this book, it's a really neat book. It's kind of a small collection of articles and essays and journal entries. And it is his, it's his grief letter. Uh, for a son that he lost uh, at the age of 25 uh, to a mountain climbing experience. And so he, he works through his grief in this book. And I found this really insightful section, um, and it touches on who the mourners are. And I just want to read it to you, uh, make a couple comments in closing. He asks this question. He says, who then are the mourners? Here's how he answers it. The mourners are those who have caught a glimpse of God's new day, who ache with all their being for that day's coming, and who break out into tears when confronted with its absence. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm of peace, there is no one blind, and who ache whenever they see someone unseen. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm, there's no one hungry, and who ache whenever they see someone starving. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm there's no one falsely accused and who ache whenever they see someone imprisoned unjustly. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm there's no one who fails to see God and who ache whenever they see someone unbelieving. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm there's no one who suffers oppression and who ache whenever they see someone beat down. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm there's no one without dignity and who ache whenever they see someone treated with indignity. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm of peace there is neither death nor tears, and who ache whenever they see someone crying tears over death. The mourners are aching visionaries. O oh, Mosaic, that we would be a church filled with aching visionaries who feel the pain and the disruption of life in a fallen world and who long for the new day, the day when there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more anxiety, there will be no more depression, there will be no more abuse, there will be no more death, there will be no more tears. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'll be the first to admit in this group that I am paralyzed by grief. I'm really disturbed by the feelings that it brings. 
Lord, I, you know, and I'll share now in my prayer that I've been running from grief my whole life. But Lord, I thank you that by your grace, you've brought me close to my grief. And in being close to my grief, I've been close to you. Lord, that's my prayer for our church, that we would hear your invitation to grieve and to mourn and to lament and to ache and to see the story you're writing with our lives, Lord. We are we're part of a grand story and we cannot wait to see how it all ends. But Lord, we're still in the thick of the plot. The hard chapters are still being written and read. And so Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, would come and that you would grieve with us. And that you would that you would give us a sense of your presence in our grieving. We pray all these things in the matchless, powerful, mighty, victorious name of your Son, our Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 